Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. All right, that Davis show, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by Jordan Malley. Follow him at Jordan C. Malley. He's a producer at 6-7 to score and also one of the hosts and the producer of Locked on Bulls podcast with Matt Peck, who we've had on the show in the past. Shout out to Matt. Uh, listen, first of all, first, the biggest question I want to ask you, and I asked Matt this question, Jordan. So I can't get my iPhone hook up now? <laughs> <laughs> no, you could always get that hook up. I promise you that. Okay, okay. So that was one of the things I remember uh, with talking to you the first night when you produced for me and D, which we had a definitely a great time. We had a, that was one of the funner nights during that run uh, that we had the night that you uh, definitely produced this, man. But also just great to see you still up at the score, man. And I know we talked about it a little, but how has everything been up there with uh, COVID-19 and kind of how it's affected sports, which means how it has affected sports media? It's been a weird year, and I think a lot of people in sports media would tell you the same thing. Uh, it's been a weird year just in general, and I think I, I said to you it feels like one extremely long day, uh, entire 2020, but to experience, I guess, a baseball season that was only 60 games and being able to see what the behind the scenes looked like in math, seeing how much joy it's brought in people to uh, just have sport back. You know, you realize so much what it means to people, and then when it's taken away from you for three, four, five, Five, six months you realize how much people miss that so it has been a weird year but it's been really good to be able to adapt a lot of people have adapted to being able to work from home we've adapted to broadcasting from home look at look at stacy king and adam amin they've broadcasted from inside the the united center they're broadcasting from home same thing with chuck and bill so um yeah i think it's it's been a weird year but it's good because everybody's sort of adapted now yeah, it was funny. Uh, Demise and our last shows right before uh, he walked away or it was a month before, but it was right before he told me. And I knew during the show, we was on the score. We got to do it from home and it was weird. The weird, I'll tell you the best part is the drive. We didn't have to do the drive home. There's nothing worse than doing five hours of radio and then having that long drive home. And it's it's always like sad when you're driving home and the sun is coming up and you haven't been to sleep. You know, it's just that feeling, even though there's some reward to it. But yeah, it's it's definitely been different. And look, uh, Jordan, uh, sticking with sports in a way, I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what were your thoughts and the NBA's uh, reaction to to the Capitol building being ransacked yesterday. You know, it's it's in. I was standing there like I got home from work, and I'm standing with my parents. We're watching the news, and I, I just honestly couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was watching. The NBA's reaction. It, Nothing short of what I expected, right? Nothing short of anything that they've done over the last year, which they've pushed this in front of the movement. And shout out to the WNBA, too. They've done a Definitely. huge, huge job of, of helping and putting out their cause. So anybody that wants to talk about people that are actually having true influence on things outside of sports, the WNBA, I think, should get first and foremost credit for that. And the Atlanta Dream should, too. Uh, but the NBA, again, I mean, if you're looking for, for a league to support them in the WNBA for causes outside of sports, they're number one. Definitely. You look at what they did with Kelly Loeffler. Yeah. And at, during during the season last year, it looked like, you know, clearly she was going to keep that Senate seat. And again, it's not just the WNBA, but they 
they were they started it. And then they always have been the more progressive league out of all uh, major sports. So like you're saying, shout out to those women uh, for everything they've done. So now let's jump into some some, some little bit of sports, uh, get off of what's going on in the world. Something to take our minds off of it. That's kind of why we got into sports. That David show here with Jordan C. Miley. Follow him at Jordan C. Miley. Uh, Produced at 670 score, but even uh, more, he's a host of Locked on Bulls. Everybody check out that podcast if you haven't already checked it out. Uh, listen, the Bulls came back from 20 to beat the Blazers. All right. And last year, it seems like something like that wouldn't have taken place. What does that say about the coaching and the players so far this season? Man, I was really upset about the way that the Bulls acted and they performed in those first handful of games. Matt and I talked about it earlier this week, but it's what I said to him. I was like, I don't mind if the Bulls are losing games, but to get down 15, 20 because you're not hitting shots in the first quarter and to hang your head and not play on both sides of the ball, it, it, told me a lot it said these guys are still playing individually for the most part they're playing for themselves and they're not playing for the team something flipped when they left on sunday to head on this road trip and they went into portland they had a totally new mind frame it was like we got pound 20 we let the blazers basically shoot any three we wanted they wanted in that first quarter they didn't quit though and that's that is truly what I think as a Bulls fan I'm looking for most. Shout out to Wendell Carter Jr. He didn't get hardly enough credit that I thought he deserved in that Portland game. He missed a couple of shots. He picked up three fouls in the first quarter. And then to come back, play important minutes, and only pick up one more foul throughout the rest of the game. I think that's a huge growing step for Carter. Another one is Kobe White even not getting, you know, not getting the shots that he wanted early. Him still contributing in other ways I thought was great. But just battling back and playing for each other has been huge over these last two games. Listen, I want to stick to Wendell Carter. I know it was one of the topics on Locked on Bulls recently, uh, debate over who should be getting more minutes between Wendell Carter and, as I call him, Red, but Daniel Gafford. Uh, so I definitely want you to break that down. But after that, I want you to talk about uh, the experiment with running the offense through Wendell Carter. I'm not necessarily full on board with that, and I know it's early. Uh, but what are your thoughts on – well, tell us necessarily what Locked on Bulls' thoughts were about people saying that Daniel Gaffer should get more minutes. Uh, I don't know if it was over Wendell Carter, but, of course, they basically play the same position. And But also, uh, later on, the thoughts on Wendell Carter and uh, 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 Billy Donovan, I'm sorry, trying to run the offense through him in some parts on top of the key. I didn't really understand where the conversation was coming from. Like Carter over Gafford, there's truly a problem with this Bulls team long term if you're really thinking about subbing out your number seven or overall pick in a really deep draft for Daniel Gafford. And look, that's no knock on Daniel Gafford either. I just think whatever you get out of Gafford, minus what he's giving you right now, is a plus. And a second round pick coming off the bench. And what I keep trying to hammer home to people is just because guys break out and they have good games here and there or they start to develop in their own roles doesn't necessarily mean that they need to become starters right away. Mm -hmm. uh, that just doesn't need to happen. You can find role players that are essential for a long-term build, but they don't necessarily need to be starters. In order for, for Carter to figure out, with Carter specifically, to figure out what he's going to be good at or what he's going to be long-term, they need to play him. He's got to be out there starting. And I know a lot of NBA players have talked about this in the past. Is like It means something to those guys to start. It means something around the league. It may not mean something to fans, but it means something to start in games. And so for, for Carter, I think just having a coach believe in him, and again, I think it goes back to he's one of the biggest He's one of the biggest proponents of this is getting down on himself, especially early. I can relate to that. I get down on myself when I'm not, I'm a perfectionist. So if I get down on myself because I make a mistake or two, 
it, it happens. And I understand that. So I, I have empathy for Carter in that. Good for him, though, in Portland and in, in, in Sacramento yesterday. I thought he had two great games where he was battling. He wasn't getting down on himself. And when he was missing shots, too, he was getting back on defense and contributing in other ways. So for Carter, he's got he's to start. Even if he's not the long-term center here for Chicago, and I don't know about any of these guys long term i don't know what their future is anyway so just let carter get out there and play that's been the biggest heart that we had last year was like we didn't see any of the core guys play at all and now that we're seeing carter play people are yelling for gafford to start i just i think people are overreacting a little bit just from what they're seeing and that might just not that just might be from not seeing basketball in 10 months so for me i think (laughs) just watch carter grow and let him develop throughout the season he's not going to be the same player he is in game seven that he's going to in game 47 this season. I can promise you that. And a lot of that has to do with Billy Donovan. And listen, you mentioned this player and also you talk about last night's game. Uh, Kobe White went off with 36 points and seven assists. It was a career high for him. For him. But what do you think about his play? And I just don't mean the scoring, but the, the playmaking side. I, I like the fact that they're they're putting all their apples in that cart to find out who he is. But do you think necessarily it's going to come to fruition that he can be the long-time answer as a lead guard slash facilitator? I don't, I'm not ready to answer that question until after the season's over. And I even I've told people on Locked on Bulls, too, and I said, even if he isn't the point guard of the future, that doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Kobe can pick up skills and can pick up experiences throughout the season of being the main point guard that he can carry with him throughout the rest of his career, even if he becomes the two guard on this team or a different team down in the future. He's been good in spots. He's been really, really good in spots. He's making a lot of mistakes too, but that has to be that has to be understood for a guy that's 20 years old. Same thing with Carter and same thing with Marketing. These guys are on 21, 22, 20 years old. Throw Patrick Williams in there too. These guys are going to make a ton of mistakes and it's going to happen in the first few years of the season. I think Kobe putting his teammates in spots to to succeed, having guys like Mo Cheeks on the bench to be able to walk through every single game and even in game and telling him, Hey, here's what you did really well tonight. And Hey, here's what you need to improve. And he's even said that in preseason. He's like, Mo Chiefs is going to tell it like it is. He's going to tell me if I played like crap and he's going to tell me what I did well. So I think for Kobe, I don't know if he's going to be the long-term option, the long-term playmaking point guard that everybody's hoping he will be, but he's he's certainly proved that he can develop and work on that. Check out the, the Trailblazers game, and like you had mentioned, is a career-high assist against the, against the Kings yesterday. Granted, De'Aaron Fox was out after the first quarter, but still, good for Kobe. Keep stacking these games. Listen, missing De'Aaron Fox, one thing that I, I want to talk about, too, and we know it's a point guard-heavy league, so you're going to get that business every night, but what are your thoughts on Kobe defensively? Because sometimes that's one of my concerns, but also, like I said, it's a point guard-heavy league, so you're going to get freaked. Most of the great point guards in this league aren't necessarily great defenders, but do you see uh, any traits that makes you think that perhaps, I don't want to say he'll be great, Great, but be a dependable defender on a position that's so strong in the NBA today. I don't think he's going to be a world beater of a defender, and that's just because of his size. But I think he's got sneaky. He's got his sneaky athleticism the same way Zach Levine has sneaky athleticism. It needs to be used on the defensive side and pick and choose those spots too. Right? Look at Zach against Portland. What was it? Two days ago. Mm-hmm. He made a bad pass on a ball that was on a fast break. He chased it down and blocked it and stuffed it and 
cause that fast break not to score. Like little instances like that where Zach and Kobe can say, hey, I can beat that guy down the floor and let me try to make a play on this. Those are the types of things that I think Kobe can be really, really successful at. I don't need him to stop a James Harden, a Deer and Fox, a Victor Oladipo from from scoring twenty a night. Those guys are going to get their points no matter what. I just need him to be in spots to where guys like those, the like Harden, they're not dropping fifty on you a night. That's when there's true weakness, and it's to the point where guys can't stay on the floor. You saw it last night in the Sacramento game. Sacramento won because they took advantage of beating. The Bulls' two weakest defenders on the floor. They ran a play where they had Zach Levine and Kobe White bunched up in the corner with Barnes and Halliburton. A pick came over. Kobe didn't really know where he was supposed to be. And then before he knew it, he realized Halliburton's wide open in the corner. He tried to come back and help. Before that, it was too late. So teams are going to take advantage of that. I think it's Kobe watching what he's doing on defense and trying to not to eliminate those mistakes from happening. But anybody that's looking for Kobe White to be like an all-world defender, it's just not going to happen. If for him, I just want him to find spots in which he can be successful and use his sneaky athleticism to make some of those plays. But again, just avoid Damian Lillard, James Harden, the big stars from scoring 40, 50, 60 a night. And I think he will do that over time. Look, you mentioned Zach Levine, and he's to me one thing that stands out this season is he's been doing really well with keeping the ball in front of him as an individual defender. Uh, what are some of the pros and cons? And it's early, I know it's a small sample size that you've seen from Zach uh, as far as this season so far. Man, he is he's doing everything he can to prove to people that he's not just a scorer. He's doing everything he can to try to get this team to learn how to win too. I don't know what that says about his future for Chicago, but he's doing everything in his power to make it proven. Hey, I don't care about what the future is holding right now. I'm doing what I can with this team right here. Perfect example was that chase down block that he had after a bad turnover, not scoring in the first quarter, not scoring in the first 15 minutes of that Portland game was insane. Uh, Adam Amin brought up a great stat where it was like 44 straight games. Zach Levine had at least one bucket or at least one point in that first quarter. That streak was broken because Zach was facilitating for literally everybody else in that first quarter. It's great on him, and it's. I think Billy Donovan is going to be excellent for him, excellent for him in his development and understanding that, hey, maybe he needs somebody to push him a little bit farther. Like, Zach is already the star on this team. To get to that next level, he needs somebody else besides maybe a player to push him and say, if you want to get to that, if you want to get to that James Harden level, if you want to get to that LeBron level of superstar where you're actually respected, you can come in day in and day out and fight. And Garrett Temple said the same thing. And Garrett, Garrett Temple's been around a lot of all-stars in his career. So guys like that motivating Zach to take it to the next level, I think is already proven to show in these first eight games of the season. Zach, for me, continue to facilitate. Don't think that you have to do everything. Rely on your teammates and trust your teammates. And he's doing that. He is trusting his teammates more than ever. And I think he realizes that he doesn't need to go out there and score 45 for the Bulls to hang around. He can do that when they need that on nights, but he doesn't necessarily need to do that in order for this team to be successful. And I think he's putting people on notice too. And I hope with more... uh, more of these battling games like they had against Sacramento, more of these pulled off 20 point comebacks against 
the Trailblazers, people are definitely going to start to notice. So I'm a huge Zach Levine fan, and I hope he doesn't leave. But I know what the future holds. I know what the reality is that he wants to win now. I know where he's at with his career. I just, for whatever it is, I hope we can get the best out of him as long as he's here, and I'd love for him to stay. That Davis show right now with Jordan Malley. Follow him at Jordan C. Malley, uh, one of the hosts of a Locked On Bulls. Uh, listen, I want to talk about Billy Donovan. One, his lineups from the start lineup to the closing five, but coaching in this totality, what have your thoughts been on Billy Donovan in this short season? It's funny because he's so, even Stacy and, and Adam brought it up in the broadcast, he's so temperamental and he's so calm, cool, collected, even when the Bulls get down 20. I think that just shows improvement and it shows it shows two different styles of coaching, one that works and one that doesn't. The one that doesn't was the one that we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And it's the screaming and the yelling. And that type of mentality can work in places. It can work in college. It can work for younger players. But when you get to the NBA, especially now, the NBA is so different than it was five years ago, let alone 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Billy understands. I think he knows how to handle young talent. He knows how, and he's learned from his experience of of working with Chris Paul to Bradley Beal in college. He's done really, really well. And I think he understands that too. And, you know, we don't need a guy jumping up and down on the sidelines for the Bulls miss assignment and give up an open three or calling a timeout to rip out your five stars. All of those little things I think are adding up. Not only that, but he's just loaded with positivity too. You hear him even after the Bulls get dumped on by the Bucks. He's motivating guys in a positive way. Everything everything he says, even with critiques, is coming with good intention. And I think that is awesome for a young Bulls team who's trying to find their identity and has probably the lowest confidence overall as a team collectively out of the 30 NBA teams coming into this season. So Donovan has been fantastic. I know people have some questions about his rotations and his lineups. It's just telling me through the first eight games that he's looking at every single lineup, every single player on this team, every which way to find out what's going to be useful, what's going to be not. And hey, he tried that fad at the five lineup that everybody was like, what the hell is he doing? And it worked. It worked. The Bulls ended up coming back and beating the Trailblazers by after down 20 because of that. So I love the fact that he's trying new things. He's trying to find guys He's trying to find a put guys in the best position to win and best position to succeed themselves. Another case in point is Denzel Valentine. He's been put in, in these weird spots for three, four, five, six minutes at a time. He's not might not be scoring. He might not be doing things that are st- stuffing the staff box, but he's doing the little things like hands and passing lanes, good passes, getting guys in the right positions. He's getting all of this out of every single player, and I think it's only going to continue to grow. So I'm a big fan of what Billy Donovan has done so far, and it's not going to flip overnight. He's got plenty of time to work through all of this stuff, but I don't know. How do you feel about him? I, I felt like he's done a really great job this year so far. I'm biased. Um, I've been a fan of Billy Donovan since Florida, uh, so I, I've just owned that. But, yeah, I, see, this is a problem. When something has been so bad, I don't know if it's just that Billy Donovan is improving it or anyone who's competent can improve. And I hate to use the word like competent, but you brought up the coaching last year. So it, cause it's the same team. Like, and it's funny when you brought up the first, uh, you mentioned earlier the, the first handful of games, of disappointment. I remember uh, just watching preseason. Yes, it's preseason. It's a small sample size, but I was excited because you can see like uh, the air had lifted off of this team. I'm like, damn, this is the same players outside of Patrick Williams, but look at how well they're playing. It's, it's like they're playing for, for each other, but playing for something. 
something. So when they started off losing, it was kind of like, well, am I just tweaking in this? It's just preseason. But we've seen it, it's going to take time, especially being a team that wasn't in the bubble that hasn't played since last March. Uh, so I'm, I'm a fan. I, I think he's definitely doing a good job. I, I was uh, excited that Arturis Karniasovis and uh, Mark Eversley could get a guy who had actually worked. You know, like a guy who could have gotten another job job as far as getting a job that is a team that's closer to contention than the Bulls are still necessarily being in development. And and, and talking about uh, being in development, one, I want your, your thoughts on Patrick Williams. But after that, at the season's end for Jordan, what's the best case scenario for the Bulls record-wise, draft-wise, and development-wise with all players, but in particularly the rookie, the fourth uh, rookie from this draft, uh, Patrick Williams? People are going to knock me for this, but I think he's got a sneaky, underrated chance to win Rookie of the Year. Mm. If he continues to play well, and look, the Bulls haven't been able to stay healthy at all all four of these years of this rebuild, so I'm not confident that they're going to stay fully healthy the entire season. I think that's going to bring opportunity for Patrick Williams to play 30, 35 minutes a night in the stretches. Teams start to realize who Patrick Williams is, and if he's able to adjust after the scouting report in the first two weeks, which you're going to see Patrick Williams is going to have a little bit of a step back from where, what he's producing right now over the next couple of weeks because people actually not full on him now. But that being said, it's going to be how he adjusts to that. He is so much better than I thought he was. He's so much better than he he was on the film in Florida. Even playing up against ACC teams, he is so much better now than he was eight months ago, which is the same thing about for a 19-year-old player. I mean, just watching his, his ball handling at 6'8", with a wingspan of 7'2", to, to his pure jump shot. And I keep bringing this up, and I will keep, keep bringing this up all year long. I'm still absolutely floored by his jump shot. He gets so high off the ground on his jump shot. Not only that, but at his wingspan on top of that, he's hitting clear jump shots over seven footers. Look at the game against the Mavericks. He had a clear jump shot over Dwight Powell, who was right in his face. That's a dude that's 7-1 that has his wingspan of 7-3. And it's clear as day. Dwight Powell didn't even have a shot at blocking the shot. So things like that are super impressive. I understand now why Connor Shovis wanted him. So desperate to take him at four. Uh, I think the sky's the limit on Patrick Williams. Again, I think he's got a sneaky chance at rookie of the year if uh, the guy that we just saw last night doesn't continue to light the world on fire, and that's Tyrese Halliburton, who's mm-hmm. played outstanding. Um, to that point, my goal for the Bulls would be to make the play-in game. Uh, make the play-in series, get that experience, even though it is a quasi-playoff first round, but just... Playing for something for these young guys will get them that experience. The quicker you can get that experience, I think the more that it's going to help. Guys like Markin and Carter, uh, Kobe White, even if Zach stays here long term, how many games has Zach Levine played in the playoffs? Zero? Zero. Zero. So Zach even needs playoff experience after <laughs> right. in the NBA. So I think for me, I can see this team getting over 30 wins. I, I think a lot of people were down on the fact that their win total was so low at 29. But hey, if you can be the 9 or 10 seed and play in that playing game, I think that's the goal for this season. No doubt. Uh, Jordan C. Malley here with me. Or well, follow him at Jordan C. Malley. We just call him Jordan Malley. Uh, Jordan, last question. Um, listen, I'm going through your, your feed and checking on Lockdown Bulls. You guys have really looked out for one of your listeners, and that's Brian Singleton. Talk a little bit about that. It's pretty dope looking out for a Southside cat who, uh, got, who basically was assaulted. I appreciate you bringing that up, and it's 
it's the story took me back because he texted our text in voicemail line, which is sometimes we do get really great messages in there and we get things that surprise us. And I had just been going through it one night and he had texted if we could help us out. He had been a long time listener, even since Matt and I had started at Lockdown Bulls in 2017. I mean, for somebody to do that, to listen to our show for three straight years and be active on our text and voicemail line, that means something to us. And so if we can do something as little as tweet something out every day and try to use the audience, the little audience that we have to try to raise some money for Brian. I think it's amazing. He's done more for us and he doesn't even realize it. And every listener out there doesn't realize it, but they've done more for us by just listening to the show in three years than we could ever possibly repay. So the content is is what me and Matt, Matt love to do, but being able to help Brian, I think is incredible. And I haven't checked his GoFundMe in the last few days, but we're getting close. I mean, he was at, I think 2,500 when we tweeted at him. We're now over, I think 5,000. Um, so $8,000 is what he's looking for. And just to hear that story of him just like going into his garage and then being attacked is it, just, it's horrible. And I wouldn't want that anybody to have to deal with that. And especially now with coronavirus, and people losing losing their jobs it's tough to make money right now it's really tough and then to have unexpected medical bills that weren't even your fault i mean i'm gonna try to do the best and i'm hoping that our lockdown bulls listeners will help out as well to try to get him to that goal so he doesn't have to worry about that especially starting a new year you don't want to start a new year in a hole and the last time i talked to him about a couple of weeks ago he was still in the hospital too so i'm like man this guy can't even do anything to help himself before getting out of the hospital. So anything that we can outside of just distracting him has been great. So again, uh, he's got his story from WGN TV that we keep tweeting out as well if you want to learn more about the specifics of the story and then his GoFundMe page as well. So we're, we're going to continue to promote that. But I'm glad you brought that up because it's just one instance I think of uh, people connecting with us and us trying to help in the best way that we can. And there's, we need more of that this year. We need more of that. Listen, it's, it's great what you and Matt are doing, uh, not just for him, but definitely specifically for him. It, it's wonderful. You should both take a bow. Everybody make sure you follow at Locked On Bulls and follow Jordan at Jordan C. Malley. Uh, you're going to hear him at the score, uh, doing production and chiming in and giving you great notes as far as sport antidotes. Uh, Jordan, keep up the good work, man. I always appreciate it. Can I appreciate it. I hope there's a time in the future that we can get you guys back at the score studios again, and maybe I can produce even produce one of your shows. It's been fantastic to get to know you. So thank you again for having no me doubt. on and literally anytime, man. Anytime, man. I'm definitely going to come back to you. You have a terrific day. You too. Thank you. No doubt. And that was Jordan C. Malley. Make sure you check out Jordan.